are listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday morning. Now, let's turn to the next part of today's program. We like to end the week with something good and, and something positive and, and highlight the good work done by our local charities and NGOs and community groups. And so on this week's Radio for Good, we're chatting with Melissa Tan, who is the Executive Director of the Hong Kong Dignity Institute, which is a platform that provides direct assistance to victims of human trafficking here in Hong Kong. Welcome to the program, Melissa, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for making me, um, for giving me this airspace to talk to you about Hong Kong Dignity Institute. Yeah, it's really lovely to meet you because um, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the work um, at the Institute. And also uh, last week, we also had a special guest yes. um, who did an amazing, amazing ultra marathon to raise awareness uh, for your platform also. So let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Tell us a little bit more about the work that you do there. So Hong Kong Dignity Institute is a multidisciplinary um NGO. And what we do is we provide psychosocial um, legal clinics. And ultimately what that means is we believe in the individuals as a whole and that for us to be able to provide any kind of assistance, we have to not just think about the individual as a person who only needs, whether it be housing or mental health care or legal advice. And instead of providing them individually in separate silos, we bring them all together under one roof and we put them, all of these services together under the same roof and we try and help this person, try and help people to advocate for themselves and try and help them to believe in themselves, have confidence and want to do something about the situations that they're in and we try and facilitate that as much as we can all in one place. That's really remarkable because I think when you have an individual who's distressed and you've got sort of different channels that they've got to go to, you've got to go to this apartment, you've got to go to this department, you've got to go to this place, um, sometimes it can be very overwhelming and you just don't even know where to where begin. To start. Yeah, and that's exactly it. You know, we found that a lot of our clients don't speak Chinese to start with and having to navigate a country that is a place that a is a city yeah, yeah. Yes. a new city to start with um, a new language a new system that is so f- different from where they have come from and they come from all around the world and arriving here not knowing where to go and having to navigate all of that on their own is sh- and on top of which your person in distress is scary and difficult and exhausting and we thought well maybe the multidisciplinary approach is the way to go because when you integrate all of those services under one roof it makes it easy on them right and when we take the onus is on us to provide all of these services for a whole person which means they can concentrate on fighting their fight they can concentrate on trying to do what they need to do to get in a better place yeah, I can understand sort of the legal assistance because that's really something that will help them, um, you know, be free of, of, of their current situation. What about the counselling? T- tell us about that. That's an interesting aspect too. Well, I guess the legal aspect of things is, you know, it takes the, the legal system in any jurisdiction in the world is a long, arduous process. Yes. And it doesn't matter whether it's a small thing or a big thing, it's just a very long process. And people get tired, you know, people get exhausted. People lose their confidence. And so the, all of that counseling is really to boost their sort of mental health care, it's to boost their confidence, is to give them tools and resources to be able to build resiliency, you know, to build the confidence to advocate for themselves, to give them the 
self-empowerment that they need in order for them to self-advocate. And we're a huge proponents of self-advocacy, right? Um, and that's kind of what it does. On top of which, we also provide social care because if you don't have a place to stay, the support, yes, absolutely. you know, if you're not able to put food on the table for your family, if you're not able to call a place home, you can't do anything else, right? The immediate needs have to be addressed first. And that's what we do. We do all of those all in one roof. And hopefully that helps. Yeah. And it's a really, really holistic approach because, you know, you're not just separating. Okay, right. Here's the, here's what you need to do to get to the next step. You know, we would. it's a whole support uh, sort of system. Um, well, let's talk about you, Melissa. So, uh, you know, um, earlier you told me you started out as a volunteer. Um, what fueled your interest in this area? Because when we think about people volunteering for different NGOs or different charities, usually, um, you know, um, things that are cuter, you know, animals, or, um, and, and that's the truth. You, you get a lot of sort of volunteers or sort of helping children. Um, not so much in human trafficking. What sort of fueled your interest in this area? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I think when COVID happened, it kind of made me question all of my choices in life up until that point. Very <laughs> and philosophical. Had, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was 2020, COVID had happened, the city had shut down, and we kind of go, oh, wow, we could, you know, this could be it. And what have I done in my life thus far for the betterment of society? And so I started volunteering at DI. Um, and that's just how it happened. And my background, actually, my professional background is as a private investigator. So I do that for work. And so I thought, well, let's find a place where that would actually be helpful, where I can use the skills that I have, um, you know, the skills that I actually make a living out of and how I can use those same skills to help other people in need. And that's how I started um Volunteering. volunteering with yeah. um, this sort of space. Yeah. Well, very interesting indeed. Um, as a private investigator, and now working <laughs> um, w w with with individuals uh, who've been trafficked. Wow. Um, I do want to sort of ask: How common is human trafficking here in Hong Kong? And and are these sort of Hong Kongers that are trafficked, or are they sort of individuals that have come from all over the world? I mean, who are some of the people that you've helped? So it's a little bit of both, actually. We do get. Um, we do get victims of human trafficking in Hong Kong who have arrived in Hong Kong as victims. And we also do get increasingly at the moment, and it's in the newspapers, you read about the um, victims, Hong Kongers, who actually have been That's right, trafficked. trafficked in Southeast Asia. Mm. That's right. I was very, and I remember sort of in the office saying, wow, you know, I thought... It, the society of people are generally quite educated, but I guess it doesn't discriminate. People can just no, and I think it's and a you're looking for better opportunities yeah. overseas. And Absolutely. I think it's I think it's a little bit unfair to say that it's an education thing as well, because sure. I think at the end of the day, a first of all, the methods are so much more sophisticated, sophisticated. now. So mm. it's actually so much more hard. It's so much harder now to distinguish between what is real and what is not. And, you know, I think people just are looking for opportunities and wherever they think there is a viable opportunity, that's where they go. And that's I think true. that's a very human instinct, regardless of where you come from. And it's sort of, you know, you're looking for a better um, financial, um, you know, um, uh, ways to provide for your, for your family. family. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, or just to escape bad circumstances where you are to escape bad situations you're just looking for a way to hopefully make your life a little bit better absolutely um, um 
can you sort of share some stories with our listeners this morning? You can go in as much or as little detail as you can, Melissa, because perhaps some of them are ongoing cases that you're not really able to, to share. But sort of um, the, the types of people that you've helped in the past. Well, let's start with a success story. Sure. Yes. Um, so we've recently had a landmark judgment case in Hong Kong where a young woman who was forced into marriage in her home country um, so she had moved to Hong Kong when she was three years old. She has a Hong Kong ID card. Um, she went to university in Hong Kong. She went to HKU, actually. Yeah. So, you know, this is a very accomplished young woman. And every three or four years, she goes home to Pakistan because that's where her family um, and where her cousins and her aunties and uncles are. And she went home one year and she was basically forced to marry her cousin. Um, her father beat her with a cane, and all of this is public information, by the way. It's all in the in the um, in the judgment. And her father beat her with a cane, forced her to marry her cousin, and came back to Hong Kong. And this brave young woman decided that well, she was not going to stand for that, and she um, she didn't actually approach us initially. She actually approached other NGOs, but in this space, we all work together very closely. Um, and she approached another NGO who then referred her to us. And we did a number of things. We provided mental health care, counseling services for her. Um, we helped her navigate the sort of living situation as well because she had to move out of her family, family home. home. And consequently, we then took her through the legal process. Um, and in the end, the courts of Hong Kong decided to nullify the marriage, which in itself is amazing because that hasn't been done before. So it is, in fact, a landmark judgment case. Yeah. yeah. And were they married in Pakistan? They were. And wow. it was a ceremony. Um, there was no actual... We never did see a marriage certificate. Um, but regardless of that, because the ceremony happened and because... And I, I'm not quite sure what how this plays out but they were considered married yeah. um, and for that reason she just wanted it to be official that she's no longer married to this person because she did not consent to that marriage wow. um, and that was yeah that was pretty awesome That's actually yeah, yeah congratulations we pretty, yeah, yeah we were very pleased with that yeah. yeah, and how many other cases are there? You know, of something like this, it's horrific. I just cannot imagine somebody who is, you know, forced in that situation. And there are other people in in this situation as well. So marriage is is marriage a common way to traffic people? You know, you sort of marry somebody else off, and and are there sort of um, scams or something to promise a better life overseas? It's it's hard to say whether there is a single dominant methodology for trafficking, simply because of the definition of trafficking is so broad. You know, um, luring someone to come from one place to another and having them arrived at where they are and realizing that the reality on the ground is different counts as trafficking. That's trafficking, yeah, yes. Yeah, that counts as trafficking. When you mentioned that there are other definitions, you know, are there different interpretations of it? Yeah, I think people think of trafficking as, you know, getting someone to come here kicking and screaming against their will and all of that, but actually it really isn't. No. It's far more insidious than that. Um, and on the surface, it looks pretty normal as well. You know, you could be, you know, we had a case where this lady um, was a beautician in, I think, somewhere in South Asia. And, you know, someone said to her, let's, 
I've I've got you a job in Hong Kong. I've got relatives in Hong Kong, and you're looking for a domestic、um, helper. Would you like to apply for that job? Would you like me to recommend you? You know, pay me a referral fee, and I'll refer you. This is the family. They you know got on WhatsApp calls and they had a chat and all of those things. And it sounds legit. It sounds legit. You know, it sounds legit. And prior to her leaving, you know, so she paid this hefty. Referral, referral fee, fee which、yeah. basically was all of her savings wiped、oh, out,、no. and right before leaving, the person that referred her, to whom she is now grateful, because someone has just offered her a better、um, choice in life, a better outcome in life, said to her, "Oh well, by the way, can you take these cosmetic products to the family on the other side that you are going to work for? They're friends of mine. Can you just take this for me、oh. to give to them?" And without knowing, she was. She's now become a drug trafficker. She's now become a drug mule, and so she arrives in Hong Kong with drugs in her case, unknowingly, right? I mean, she had no idea she had drugs in her case, and she arrives in Hong Kong and she gets arrested, and that's it. You know, that's twenty five years in prison for her, and it's oh gosh, I know, feel ill thinking about that、mm. because. She actually was hoping for a better life, and everything sounded legitimate. You know, somebody referring her、um, to, to work as a domestic worker in Hong Kong, which, to be honest, Hong Kong is a market,、uh, has a big、yeah. market for, for, for sort of、uh, foreign domestic work. Yeah, it's it's not an unusual proposition. You Google it; it all sounds right. You know, you spoke with the family, then who, who seemed like there was a nice little family that you were going to go work for. It it all checks out. Yeah. You know, and asking, having someone say to you, "Oh, can you carry this to take to someone else?" It's not that unusual, is it? Not at all. You know, anyone in their right mind would do it. And the next thing you know, you're in prison for drug trafficking. It's、yeah. awful. It's and it's terrifying, right? It's. And then, but that's the reality. That's、yeah. what happens. Yeah.、Um, j- just a couple of minutes. Well, time really flies. <laughs>、um, just a couple of minutes before the eleven thirty news. So, how do you find these、um, individuals who've been trafficked? You mentioned just now earlier that the, the, the lady um, um, who, who, who was married off. It was through other NGOs.、Mm-hmm. So you work closely with other NGOs, do, and、yeah. um, how do you come across、uh, some of these other individuals? So we're really a really small community. So we work with all of our peers. So we work with the Rain Lilies, with Voice for Prisoners. We work with Help Pathfinders. All of them、wow. you can think of, Justice Center, all of it. Yeah. yeah.、Um, and I think the wonderful thing about this space is that we all recognise that there are limited resources, and we will pull together and work together. And that's that's kind of nice, actually. Yeah, it really- <laughs> Yes, yes, something、yeah. good and positive to to end the week on.、Yeah. Um, finally, um, Melissa, tell us uh, uh, how you know our listeners can get in touch、uh, w- with you and your team. You know, if we suspect there are some cases, how can we sort of reach out to you on social media? And have you got a website? We do. So our website is、oh, this really caught me off guard. Here, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I actually have it. <laughs> So our website is www.dignityinstitute.com.、Um, we do have an IG handle as well, and it's Instagram. So it's HK Dignity, and、um, yeah, there are, these are the two ways that you can get in touch with us. If you suspect anyone needs any help whatsoever, or if you just You know, if you just want to speak to someone, our phone number is nine seven two eight five nine six nine, and there's always someone who will answer the call and who would hopefully be of 
help. Yeah. And are there sort of signs that we could look out for, you know, um, sometimes if, if there's somebody that we suspect in that situation, you know, I'm of the view that if you suspect something, just go for it. You know, don't, don't wait. <laughs> yeah, better yeah. be safe, right? Exactly. Yeah, better yeah. be safe than sorry. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I think, yeah. I think we also offer mental health counseling services so really any signs of distress is a reason to give us a call yeah and if we can't help you then we'll tap into our pool of resources of other NGOs and someone will be able to do something Excellent. So. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for, for joining us this morning. Really um, an insightful discussion. Uh, thank you so much to Melissa Tan, the Executive Director of the Hong Kong Dignity Institute, uh, which is a platform that provides uh, direct assistance, uh, lots of uh, multifaceted assistance, I should also mention, to victims of human trafficking and seeks to break the cycle of exploitation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Noreen.